This is the Vandy Sports Podcast on the 440 Sports Network, and I'm your host, Billy Derrick. This week's pregame show is brought to you by The Wash House, the Murfreesboro Pure Milk Company, Sutherland and Belk, and the Maynard Nexon Government Contracts Group. Topics on today's show and this season's baseball content are presented by the Murfreesboro Pure Milk Company, the family-owned third-generation milk and ice cream distribution company located in Murfreesboro. A partnership began over 50 years ago with Purity Dairy in Nashville to provide purity milk and ice cream to consumers in Middle Tennessee, and they now serve Southern Kentucky, Northern Alabama, Chattanooga, in North Georgia. Today, they supply grocery stores, convenience stores, and others with Purity products, as well as Mayfield, Nestle, and Haagen-Dazs ice cream. For more info, visit their website at mpmci.com and tell them Vandy Sports sent you. Coming up Saturday, it's Auburn and Vanderbilt in Nashville. Three o'clock kickoff on the SEC Network. We'll kick things off with our What to Watch For segment with Joey Dwyer. We'll talk about the quarterback situation and how it played out last week and just how that might affect Saturday's matchup against Auburn, another team who runs a, uh, a two-quarterback system with Peyton Thorne and Robbie Ashford. Speaking of Auburn, I'm going to be joined to close out this episode, this pregame show, with former Auburn quarterback Jason Campbell, the winningest quarterback in Auburn football history, played in the NFL, 10-year career there. He's also the, the Sugar Bowl MVP, SEC champ in 2004. It was great to talk to Jason about uh, this year's Auburn team. He is the color analyst in the booth there with Andy Burcham on Auburn Radio. So it's great to, to hear from Jason and uh, get his insight on Auburn. Today's news, though, presented by The Wash House, our presenting sponsor for basketball season. Are you dreading laundry day? Is it stealing time to do the things that you truly enjoy? Let the laundry professionals at The Wash House take care of that for you. With two convenient locations in the greater Nashville area, just drop off your dirty laundry, and their professional attendants can give you back the one thing you can never have enough of, your time. Within 24 hours, you can pick up your nicely folded, fresh and clean laundry ready to be put away. Log on to washhouseclean.com or stop in today and get your time back. Final home game of the season for Vanderbilt, coming off a 33-7 loss at Ole Miss last week. The Commodores and Tigers are meeting for the 44th time. Pretty rare to see these two teams get together since 1893. The Commodores have won two of the last three games against Auburn since 2008, so it's been a pretty evenly matched series since the early 2000s. The Commodores have a losing record against every current member of the SEC except one. Well, that one is the Auburn Tigers. Vanderbilt is 21-21-1. and and all-time against Auburn, what's going to give on Saturday. Last meeting between these two teams, Auburn won 23-17 at Jordan-Hare Stadium. In their last two trips to Nashville, though, 2008 and 2012, Auburn has lost to Vandy. So for whatever reason, it's been tough for the Tigers to come up to Nashville and get a win. Big storyline this week around the Vanderbilt program, yet again, is the direction of the quarterback situation. Last week, Walter Taylor was inserted into the game in an attempt to provide a spark for the offense. The decision was not because of Ken Seals' play, but simply to provide some rhythm. Looking back at last week, Coach Lee was asked if he would have handled the quarterback situation any differently. Uh, you know, again, I, last week wasn't about Ken's performance. Um, it was more about just needing to interject some energy into the offense and find, you know, just find some rhythm. Um 
you know, I believe that Walt was able to do that. Although, you know, again, we still didn't complete um, the ball at the, at the level we needed to, to. You know, a lot of the success we had in the second half was in the run game. And, you know, I think when you when you possess the ball and when you start to, again, grind grind out clock, you, you, you start to take pressure off um, the, the defense, too, against a good offense. And there's something really healthy about that. So... Um, the, the ones that hurt are the three and outs where we're having to punt to try to flip the field. Um, you know, when, we, when we're able to drive and, and grind some clock down and, and then, you know, either score or obviously punt to pin, force them on a long field. Those are things that to, to us equate to winning football. So I don't know that it, it, I, I wouldn't handle it differently. Um, I still don't feel like Ken was playing poorly. Ahead of Saturday's matchup versus Auburn, the question becomes how much will Walter Taylor play? The depth chart has an or between Seals and Taylor, but we'll see if the Commodores commit to a two-quarterback system like Auburn has done most of the season. Speaking of the Tigers, they are 4-4 four and four on the season, 1-4 and four in the conference, and for whatever reason, it's never easy for Auburn to win in Nashville, and head coach Hugh Freeze described this matchup as a scary one for the Tigers. This is a scary game to me. I've always thought playing there was difficult for whatever reason. And um, I know you can look at their uh, schedule and say what, or their record and say whatever, but uh, they played a, a tough stretch with Kentucky, Missouri, Florida, Georgia, Ole Miss. I mean, that's a, that's a tough stretch of games. And they've been competitive at times in, in all of them. And um, it's, uh, it's a difficult place to play. and. Uh, it's got my full attention, and hopefully our kids will uh, be mature enough to approach um, this with with the same hunger that they did last week. Auburn trying to get their fifth win of the season and back-to-back SEC wins after last week's win at home over Mississippi State, 27-13. to It's going to be tough in Nashville, though. Auburn has the worst passing offense in in the SEC. They only average 160 yards per game, but they have a very strong running game. They average 186 rushing yards per game. That ranks fourth in the SEC, and they've got an active and aggressive defense who has 10 interceptions on the season. That's tied for first in the league with Vanderbilt. So these two teams, very active in terms of causing turnovers and creating havoc for the opposing offense. Let's get into the Tigers' offense. Now that I say the word offense, they are in the midst of a two-quarterback system led by Peyton Thorne at the head. He has started most games this season. He's thrown for 1,075 yards, eight touchdowns, five interceptions, 398 rushing yards as well, and two touchdowns. But they will also play Robbie Ashford. They call him Red Zone Robbie. He's got five rushing touchdowns on the season, so Vanderbilt has to keep an eye on him whenever the Tigers are in the red zone. I mentioned that Auburn running game. Well, Jarquez Hunter has spearheaded that running game all season long, 477 yards on the ground and five touchdowns. So that Auburn rushing attack will be key for Vanderbilt uh, on Saturday. Defensively for the Tigers, very active defense, as I said earlier. Linebacker Eugene Asante leads the team with 62 tackles and six and a half tackles for loss. And they've got a safety by the name of Jalen Simpson, who leads the team with four interceptions. And that mark is tied for second in the SEC. They also have edge rusher Elijah McAllister, former Commodore, and safety Donovan Kaufman. 
former Commodore. Both those players played under Coach Mason. McAllister played uh, under Clark Lee as well. So it's going to be fun to, to get to see those two guys back in Nashville. All right. Speaking of Nashville, that is where Saturday's game will be played. Vanderbilt and Auburn, 3 o'clock kickoff on the SEC Network. It's time for our guest line. It's brought to you by John Leffen and the Maynard Nexon Government Contracts Group. Maynard Nexon advises government contractors on all aspects of their businesses with a proud focus on matching legal solutions to business needs. Give them a call at 256-551-0171. Also, Sutherland and Belk, they are a family-owned injury law firm If you or a loved one has been hurt or in an accident, give Taylor or Russell a call at 615-846-6200 to see what your rights are and if they can help. All right, let's kick things off with Joey Dwyer, and then we'll roll right in to our interview with former Auburn quarterback Jason Campbell. Kicking off like we usually do with Joey Dwyer, what to watch for, uh, Vanderbilt and Auburn. The Auburn Tigers rolling into Nashville, Joey, as a uh, 12.5-point favorite, I think I saw it as yesterday, so... Intriguing game, honestly. I mean, you know, a couple of uh, quarterback rooms that are in flux, I guess you could say. You've seen four quarterbacks total between these two teams this year, and I'm sure you'll see four quarterbacks uh, on Saturday with Robbie Ashford and also Peyton Thorne for Auburn. So, But on the Vanderbilt side, Joey, your first thing to watch is how does a two-quarterback system work for them? It didn't work against Ole Miss, uh, but I don't know that they really utilized that. They just kind of put Walter Taylor in and said – Hey, go be Mike Wright of last year, basically. Um, and I think that can work, right? They're not going to score a ton of points, Joey, but we might see a little more Walter Taylor. But the question is, how much of Ken Seals do we see, and do we actually see a two-quarterback system? Yeah, I'm really interested to see kind of how they play this. Clark Lee said on the SEC Coaches Conference on Wednesday that he's going to go towards this system, and he's going to play two quarterbacks. So, Billy, I'm really fascinated to see how this works, and – how much he mixes in Walter Taylor? Is it just on a third and one here or there? But or does he get a few drives in a row and get in a rhythm? He said he wants both quarterbacks to stay in a rhythm. It's hard to see how you execute that, but if you can execute that well, I think Vic can give Vanderbilt a real spark. And maybe the biggest thing with Walter Taylor is they can control the time of possession a little more. I think that would be a huge key up Saturday this weekend. I think if Vanderbilt can control a ball and Ken Seals can throw it down the field, and maybe Walter Taylor can do the same thing. You got a chance here. It's a hard system to execute. There's a reason that all these big schools don't use it consistently, but maybe it can spark you a little bit and maybe it can add a dimension to your offense that you haven't seen before. So I'm not completely out on it. There's also a reason that Georgia doesn't use it every week, but there's a chance that maybe this sparks Vanderbilt. And I think you're trying to find anything that you can kind of throw at the wall and have stick at this point. Exactly. That's how he described Walter Taylor. He said, basically, we wanted a spark. And that's understandable. I mean, where they were at, they were at, uh, at Ole Miss offensively. Uh, leading into the second point here, Joey, can Vanderbilt extend drives on third and fourth downs? They've just been awful, quite frankly, on, on third downs. Uh, on the defensive side as well, right? The, the, it's it's the polar opposite. Like the On defense, you know, the opposing offense has been able to convert on third and, and 15, but Vanderbilt you know, they can't convert on third and seven, third and eight, right? And you're just, you're not going to be in ball games, especially in the SEC down the stretch of the season when these teams need these wins, whether it's Vanderbilt or not. Um, so they have to, I mean, that that's a non-negotiable, right? I mean, if you don't, if you're not converting on third down at a decent clip, no matter who you're playing in the SEC, you're putting yourself way behind the eight ball because 
there's no, I mean, what are you leaning on, right? You're, you're relying on defensive takeaways at that point. Yeah. I don't know, Billy. I think (laughs) when you go six for 34 on third down throughout the last, what, three or four games, you're Mm. not going to win anything or you're not going to get close to winning. Also on fourth down, they've not been good either. So it's really difficult to find ways to win games like this. And Billy, I don't know how you do it. If you go, what, six for 34 on third down. If you can't run the ball, I think Walter Taylor could maybe help you a little bit on third down. Maybe he's the spark plug you need there. Maybe he kind of complements that run game a little bit by running it himself and complements the passing game. Maybe A.J. Newberry's a guy who can help you a little bit there. He had some yeah. good runs mm-hmm. on Saturday, but I don't know. I think Auburn's defense is probably a step below what they've seen recently. But if you don't convert on third down, you don't convert on fourth down and extend drives, you don't have an opportunity to exploit that. Really explosive plays are going to be a key here, but also just keeping that time of possession, having the ball throughout a lot of this game, and having the opportunities to have those explosive plays will be really significant as Vanderbilt tries to pull its biggest upset of the year, I guess, and get its first SEC win. One of those guys offensively for Vanderbilt, Joe, is Will Shepard, that they they have to have uh, doing good things. You know, you only saw one catch against Georgia. I don't even know. I mean, did he, he might have had a catch or two against Ole Miss. He might he might not have though. I I, I mean, the thing about Will Shepard is that there's you do see those stretches where he's just not really on the field. Um, so th- that'll be interesting to see if Shepard goes. Uh, Clark said he's banged up this week. C.J. Taylor is another guy that Clark didn't really give a definitive answer, but I mean, those are the two guys. I mean, those are the two best players, Joey, for Vanderbilt. So if if they don't go, kind of sitting there saying, well, you know, where's the hope? But if they do. You know, especially against Auburn, I, I think they've got a shot. So that's a big question. That might be the biggest question, Joey. <laughs> Does Shepard and Taylor go? Because, you know, they might need them. Yeah, Vanderbilt doesn't have a whole lot of guys who have started on their SEC teams or guys who are pushing for all SEC league teams. When two of those guys are not on the field, I think you're in real trouble. And this feels like the game where you have to have them on the field because mm-hmm. this is the game you have a legitimate chance at winning. If you don't have C.J. Taylor, who's your biggest defensive playmaker, and Will Shepard, who's at least your most talented offensive player, maybe your biggest offensive playmaker as well, I don't really know how you move forward here. I think this is a really interesting storyline to follow. I think it's really important for Vanderbilt. I think, I guess they could get by offensively because they have other good receivers. But C.J. Taylor is such a difference maker on that defense. I think we saw that Saturday. We saw that right before he went down against Georgia as well. He masks a lot of the errors that they have on defense and a lot of deficiencies that they have. And they could have got exploited more than they did on Saturday, but didn't. C.J. Taylor, I think, is a huge difference maker for this defense and is perhaps Vanderbilt's most important player. So if they're without him again, I think my level of optimism here goes down a little bit. But if they have Shepard and Taylor, I think they got a chance, even if they're not 100% healthy. Let's go over to the flip side for Auburn and their offense. Uh, this has not been a very dynamic Auburn offense. Uh, statistically, the they're, aver- <laughs> they're averaging 26 points per game, uh, 186 rushing yards per game, uh, 160 passing yards per game. So, uh, I mean, this this might be a slugfest here. 13 to 10, 17, 14. I mean, it screams low scoring. But as soon as I say that, you know, we could get a lot of points. So who knows? But at the end of the day, Joey, these both these offenses have been struggling. And for Auburn, you look at this Vanderbilt defense, maybe having a decent matchup, you know, send some pressure, maybe disrupt the, the uh, not Florida, the Auburn quarterback running game and try to slow them down that way. Because, I mean, both quarterbacks want to run. Peyton Thorne is more of a passer. 
uh, Ashford is all a runner. And in the red zone, they call him Red Zone Robbie. He he runs the football for them. So if they can disrupt those guys, that's what I look at defensively and offensively against Auburn. Uh, because you know, if you can't, that's what they want to do. You know, if you can't stop it, you're you know, you got no shot. For me, I think the key is making Auburn one-dimensional offensively. I think the running game is going to be there. Vanderbilt's really struggled to stop the run, so I don't have much optimism that that can turn maybe with C.J. Taylor and Langston Patterson playing the way he did on Saturday. I think they have a chance maybe there. But really where I look is kind of slowing down the passing game. I think I said in the article, Vanderbilt, or I guess Auburn, had three games this year under 100 passing yards and a few other games under 200 passing yards, like five under 200. That tells you a lot about where that offense stands. And a lot of those games have been pretty recent as well. The stats are ugly from those games. And Vanderbilt's secondary has obviously been a point of contention, but maybe that passing game kind of equals that out. And maybe we see Auburn not have a super explosive day through the air. And if it has to beat Vanderbilt through the ground exclusively, I think Vanderbilt's got a chance here. But if Vanderbilt allows some big passing plays, you're in trouble. All right, lastly here, Joey, can Vanderbilt take advantage of its best chance at an SEC win? The Auburn Tigers roll in here at 4-4, four and four, uh, but they are 1-4 in, in the conference, so they have, they've struggled in the SEC. They've gotten some non-conference wins. And you look at Auburn, historically, Vanderbilt has had success at Auburn at home. They beat them in 20, uh, uh, 2013, I want to say it was, and then 2008 as well. So now this, this Auburn team is different than those teams, but this is not your – you know, your dominant Auburn team that you're, you know, you're typically maybe used to seeing. I mean, they haven't been dominant in a while. But for Vanderbilt, this is a winnable game. Now, whether or not they take advantage of that, we'll see. But the opportunity is there, Joey. And this season, anytime we've said that, they have not taken advantage. So I'm looking for them to just say, listen, guys, let's throw it all out there and see what happens. I mean, you know, you got three games left, and Auburn and South Carolina are the two winnable games, in our opinions. So we'll see. We'll see, Joe. But it'll be interesting to see, can they take advantage? You know, what you got two more chances. This is number one right here. Yeah, final home game of the year. Feels like we've had this one circled on the schedule for a long time is one that Vanderbilt yeah. could get. Auburn's passing game feels somewhat equivalent to Vanderbilt's running game. It just that it can't get it going, and that's a huge red flag for an SEC team. Obviously, Auburn really hasn't done much in SEC play. I think only beat Mississippi State, who has also not been good. So, Vanderbilt's got a chance here. Whether it can kind of stay in this game and win it will be determined by a lot of what we talked about. And I think if it can get a spark early and kind of punch Auburn in the face early, it has a real chance here. Uh, if it can build off that energy, it gets early. But there's a lot to watch here. If Vanderbilt can win this game, though, I think it maybe doesn't change your outlook of the season or what this team is. I think I would think of that as more of an outlier performance from this team, just finding an SEC win because, frankly, they haven't looked like a team throughout most of the year that – deserves an SEC mm -hmm. win, but if they could go get one and prove that I guess they're not lost and the locker room isn't completely lost, then I think that says a lot of good things about Clark Lee and the direction that this is going. If they finish 2-10, and ten, though, and lose by double digits like the spread would indicate this week, I think that's a different story and something at the end of the year that we'll have to reflect on and we won't have anything positive to point back to beyond the first two weeks. So big game for Vanderbilt and about as big as it gets when you're 2-7. and seven. Yeah, yeah, this is uh, this is a big one. Vanderbilt and Auburn, three o'clock kickoff, so a little bit later. I think we, you know, we we've had that eleven a.m. Kentucky one, but this is a nice, nice kickoff time. It'll be a little bit colder, but I think it'll warm up a little bit compared to these last few days here uh, in town. Auburn and Vandy, three o'clock SEC Network.
Joey, thanks for taking the time, man. We got basketball next week. Thank you. Closing out this Vanderbilt-Auburn pregame show with Jason Campbell, the winningest quarterback in Auburn history, SEC Player of the Year in 2004, SEC champ that same season, Sugar Bowl MVP, played for the Tigers from 01 to 04, and then was drafted 25th overall, first round to Washington. Of course, they were the Redskins back in the day. Now they're the, the commanders. So uh, looking forward to, uh, to getting Jason's uh, insight on Auburn this year. Stan White, their longtime color analyst, retired last year there in the Auburn booth, and Jason Campbell has taken over uh, this year with Andy Bertram. So they will be up in Nashville on Saturday. Jason, thanks for taking the time, man. Uh, thanks, Billy. Thanks for having me on. Uh, like I said, look forward to it. You know, it's, it's been it's been cold here. You know, it's, <laughs> you know, I'm used to some 80 degree weather, man. So we'll see what happens in Nashville this weekend. Yeah, hopefully it warms up a little bit uh, for for Vandy and Auburn. Three o'clock kickoff on the SEC Network. Jason, let's start with, with the Auburn Tigers this season. Uh, of course, Hugh Freeze in, in year one. He's been in the SEC before, and I'm sure at times it's been uh, entertaining. And and you've had some good games to to cover there. I th- you know the the Georgia game was was tight, and even that Ole Miss game a couple of weeks ago, uh, and then they were able to get a win last week. So. What's it been like? I'm sure it's been, you know, year one for coaches, especially in the SEC, are, are usually, you know, kind of a roller coaster ride. But what's it been like covering uh, covering Hugh Freeze this year? It's been a lot of fun. I will say he's been a breath of fresh air. He brings a lot of new energy to the program. Uh, you know, Auburn went through two years where it was just really rough. And then that was right after the COVID year, uh, which a lot of things was going on for every university that year. Uh, so, you know, he's kind of trying to rebuild the program. Uh, he's trying to get he's hot, hot in recruiting. Uh, the other part of it is getting all the kids to buy in. You know, you got all these transfer kids and the kids that are here now just trying to get everyone on the same page and everyone to understand what it, what it is that he's looking for. You know, that all takes time and you have to be patient. And I know Auburn is so hungry right now to be back in competition for competing for championships. But, you know, we also have to understand reality like, you know, you got to build that roster. You also got to, you know, just continue to focus on, you know, building blocks once, one step at a time. So it's been really fun to to, to watch him. I, of course, it's, you know, he had some heartbreak games so far this year. The Georgia game, you know, kids fought their butts off, you know, and then Brock Bowers got loose in the fourth quarter. Uh, Ole Miss game is 14-14 into the third quarter. And, you know, you have so many opportunities offensively to, to kind of get ahead in that game. It came like you just – kept hitting yourself against the wall and just never could get over the hump. And then he was finally able to beat Mississippi State this past weekend. So hopefully, you know, that win gave those kids a little bit of confidence. Jason, you played quarterback at Auburn and, of course, uh, in the NFL for a long time. When you look at the quarterback situation this season, of course, Peyton Thorne coming in, it felt like he was kind of eyed as, you know, okay, you know, we're, we're going to see what we got in Peyton, but we've also got Robbie Ashford right behind him. Uh, you know, we've heard the red, the the nickname Red Zone Robbie. Of course, you've seen yeah. him score some rushing touchdowns. So, what's it been like keeping an eye on that? And and what what has been their approach? You know, is have there been games where it's been mostly Thorn or mostly Ashford? Like, what, what's 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 that quarterback situation been like to to see this year? Yeah, Thorn has always been the guy that started every game. Uh, you know, Robbie has always been the guy to come in in certain situations. Starting the season off, it was that way. And I think once we got the cow after the first series, you know, Robbie started coming in the game. It didn't seem to be an alternating deal with both of them up until last week. Uh, Coach Freeze says he's, he's seen enough of it. 
he wants one of those guys to kind of take the helm, you know, go ahead and take control of the offense, take control of the team. And last week, since Thorne has been the starter for most of these games, he pretty much let Thorne has first opportunity was against Mississippi State. So it was either time for Thorne to put up or shut up. And that's the exact words that he said. And, you know, Thorne out there, he had a really good game last week. He got involved early in the game in the passing game with the receivers. They got in, got on the same page. So the ball got thrown around to 11 different receivers. And I thought that was, you know, really, really good. That 11 different people touched the ball in the passing game. Uh, as you know, Billy, that's where we've been struggling at the most is, you know, we haven't been able to throw the ball. I think we went for a while. There's like five or six games without even having over 100 yards passing against a power five opponent. You know, that's almost unheard of in the, in these times. Uh, you know, so we were struggling in the passing game and hopefully we found something there last week. And then Robbie has always been a guy that's very energetic. He's very athletic. You know, he can kind of take over a game sometimes just with his legs, you know, the thing with him was his throwing and everything like that. But I felt towards the end of last season, he got better as a passer. And then this season, you haven't really ch had a chance to see a lot of it uh, because he hasn't had a lot of opportunities to pass the ball. You know, you're coming games where he throw four or five attempts. But as well as you know, as I know, that's not enough to get into any rhythm as a passing quarterback. Mm -hmm. So I think some of his interceptions come off forcing the ball because he feel like he got to make something happen in that area. When it comes to Thorne, I think Thorne came in here and a lot of pressure was immediately surrounding him because he's supposed to be this guy that's come from Michigan State. He has all this, these, you know, this uh, pedigree of veteran experience and throwing the ball to Coleman that's now at Florida State. And I think people realize now how big of a, <laughs> how big to have Coleman as your receiver was to him. And I think him trying to live up to some of those expectations might have put a little bit of pressure on him to the point that he couldn't. You know, he couldn't – I think he was playing pressure, and then he's not used to playing in a quarterback alternating system. And I don't think either one of those guys wanted to be in that type of system, but that's just the way it played out early part of the year. All right, let's go defensively. It's interesting. They're actually – Elijah McAllister played at Vanderbilt last year. Yeah. yeah, he was actually at Vanderbilt for a long time. And then Donovan Kaufman, I think at safety, uh, he he was a, a Vanderbilt commit originally, played his freshman year there, then he's at Auburn. I look at this Auburn defense, Jason, and, and, and I mean, you've been there – at every game active, you know, create takeaways, you know, they just cause havoc. And and you saw them in that Georgia game really frustrate the Bulldogs uh, at home. I know that Jordan Hare atmosphere, as you know, can play a big difference. And, you know, it's just, it, it's been a fun defense to watch. They've been in some low scoring games. I know they gave up some points there to LSU, but that Ole Miss game, you know, they kept that Ole Miss offense fairly in check. So uh, when you look at this defense, what, what impresses you most and, and, how good do you feel about him here coming to Nashville? Yeah, you talked about Elijah and uh, Donovan, you know, two great guys. Uh, you know, both, like I say, have Vandegrift pedigree. Uh, you know, Vandegrift's a well-known school, and, you know, they ha always have high-character guys. And, it, you know, those guys came over to Auburn, man. It was just like, you know, they was welcome with open, or open arms just because of the fact that their character meets their athletic ability. You know, nowadays it's hard to find that, man. Like some of these kids just stuck on themselves. And, you know, if you don't immediately make them a starter and all that type of stuff, they just kind of go in a tank or want to transfer, mm -hmm. you know. But these guys, man, they, they're they're built different and, and, and first and foremost. But I, I say our defense, though, they're tenacious defense. What I mean by that is they like to fly around. We have an active secondary, you know, who likes to get their hands on the ball, starting with Jalen Simpson. You know, Zion Puckett, 
DJ James has had a couple of tipped interceptions he's gotten this year. Uh, Keontae Scott, to me, is the hybrid for us. Now, this guy, he missed like four weeks, and we missed him dearly. Uh, we missed him in the Georgia game. Uh, we wish we could have had him because I think he makes a difference in the Brock Bauer mm-hmm. situation because that's who he would have been covering. And, you know, but this secondary, man, they they like to get active in the blitz game as well. You know, they've created some turnovers this year, some hits on some quarterbacks. Um, you know, to me, that's that's our strength of our team. It's our secondary. But then you talk about, you know, our guys up front. Uh, Keldrick Falk has been uh, a true freshman. He's a kid that's, I think, learned a lot from, from Elijah, um, you know, since he's had an opportunity to get a chance to start uh, losing Mosea. Uh, transfer from Maryland hurt us big time with depth, and uh, but now this kid is having to step in there and and get his feet wet, which I think is really good for him in his first year. Um, Coach Roberts does a really good job of enthusiasm these kids. What I mean by that is they play with so much energy. It's only one game I've seen us not play with energy defensively this year, and that was LSU. And LSU just looked like a machine, you know. And and, and they've done like, that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that a lot. We just feel like we wasn't even on the field, <laughs> you know. So, but other than that, though, these guys have done a really good job of creating turnovers. Seventeen or less, eighteen games, or well, seventeen games in a row now, they created a turnover. Whew, that's impressive. Uh, and you look at, uh, you know, that that defense they, they, that has kept them in some of these games, you know. And, and so I think that's an interesting. You could expect a low scoring game. Uh, you know, on, on Saturday between Vanderbilt and Auburn. Speaking of Vanderbilt, I think it's interesting looking at the uh, kind of the series history. I think we talked earlier, you know, they haven't played a ton since, huh. uh, you know, even since 03. I know you, I think you played them a couple of times uh, there in the early 2000s. And Hugh Freeze, I think it was early this week, basically said, this is a scary matchup, you know, and I don't, I think that got taken out of context because of, you know, some of the, some of the fa- Twitter is a, you know, it's, it could be a cesspool sometimes, but right. <laughs> you know, I think he has a point because of the construction. It's not a an earlier kick. It, it is a three o'clock kick. But, you know, I think he has a little bit of a point there. When you look at this matchup, Jason, is there an area where Vanderbilt could it could expose Auburn and potentially have some success uh, on Saturday? Yeah, I would say just looking at the numbers on the paper to me, Vanderbilt is it's a similar situation offensively for us when it comes to the quarterbacks, you know, not mm-hmm. knowing who's going to really be the guy for most of the time kind of throws a wrinkle in for your defense because you have to take time and prepare for two or three guys. You know, all three of your guys have played when it comes to, to when it comes to quarterback, you know, seal Swan and Taylor and, and everything. So as a as a defense, you have to say, okay, what are the things you're going to focus on and not get over so you, at the point you don't, over prepare because you're trying to get ready for everything so i think defensively for us i think we have to be prepared for a running quarterback and a throwing quarterback and you have to and i say it's the same for vandy even though um asher played limited last week you just never know what's going to happen this week you know i I think it's definitely dedicated what they do from a defense standpoint but you talk about auburn auburn loves to run the football and you know I, i see vandy defense you know, y'all give up 174 yards yeah. rushing. Auburn rushes for 186 a game. So, to me, that's going to be the telltale story of if Auburn can run the football that way, then I think, you know, we win the game. If Vandy somehow slows down our rushing attack and forces us to have to put the ball in the air, which last week was our first time we've had over 100 yards, 150 <laughs> yards passing, I think, in seven Power 5 games, which is still mind-blowing. Can we do that on the road? 
we did that at home, you know, but can we do it on the road when we're not in our environment, when things don't look comfortable or look the same? Because now, you know, we're on the we're we're in Nashville and Vanderbilt can't wait to get back home, you know, after having a tough loss in Ole Miss last week. And and so you know Vanderbilt always plays us tough up there. Every time I played in Nashville, it's always a tough game. So you can never look at the schedule. I mean, look at the uh the record and say, oh man, it's a victory. Like, no, you got to go up there and fight your butts off. So Coach Freeze is right about that. If these guys go up there thinking that this is just an automatic win in a W column and don't show up, you could easily get disappointed. So for us, it's, it's rushing the ball and against y'all defense. If y'all defense can slow us down running the ball, then I think that can cause some problems. Jason, really appreciate the time. Uh, I would expect some uh, some Auburn fans up in Nashville, huh? <laughs> yeah, Auburn travels well. We actually have a huge Auburn-Nashville uh, club. Uh, I remember when Auburn played Vanderbilt in basketball, it was a lot of people there. Oh, yeah. And so I expect a lot of Auburn fans uh, in Nashville this weekend. Nashville's a great city. A lot of people like to come visit. You know, I've already been looking up some restaurants for Friday night, you know, trying to, you know, I said I probably way too late to get reservation. I forgot Friday night in Nashville. It's like, you know. Yeah, good luck. Yeah, good luck. So I'm going to have to try to pull some screens, find some people I know. But, yeah, I will say we're excited about coming to Nashville. There's a couple. There, uh, Hall's Steakhouse is a, is a yeah. brand new one that that's pretty popular. And then Kane, Kane Prime is pretty good as well. But uh, okay. hopefully, hopefully you get in early enough. Yeah, yeah, I might have to. I might have to go at five thirty when they first open. I'd have missed the prime spots already. <laughs> Looking forward to it, man. Thir three o'clock kickoff, Vanderbilt and Auburn on Saturday. Uh, good luck on the call, and thanks for taking the time. I appreciate it, Bill. Thank you. That'll do it for this week's pregame show, Vanderbilt and Auburn Saturday, three o'clock kickoff on the SEC Network. This podcast has always been free, and we plan for it to always be free. So here's how you can help keep it that way. Number one, give the podcast a review and a five-star rating. That helps us get noticed. If you're listening and haven't subscribed to VandySports.com, please do. It's $99 per year or $9.99 per month and helps us tremendously. Secondly, subscribe to our Vandy Sports YouTube channel. That is free as well. And finally, if you're interested in sponsoring the show, email Chris Lee at chrislee70 at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you again soon with more episodes of the Vandy Sports Podcast. <laughs>